0: Welcome to another edition of the hawk off the press podcast i'm your host gazette hawkeyes reporter john Seppi. my guest this week is scott sipker actor writer filmmaker you may know him as the guy from the iowa nice video back in 2012. today though i'm talking to him about his latest film kinnick the documentary which by the time this podcast airs will be available to watch online on vimeo scott thanks for joining me today
1: Thank you for having me, John. It's a um, it's a joy to talk about Nile. After we put so much of it in into the film, it's it's nice to just have conversations about the process and and mostly about Nile himself.
0: So, how does somebody decide? Hey, I want to do a documentary about Niall Kinnick. Well, first, I grew up
1: in real small town Iowa, so I I've known the name Nile Kinnick essentially my entire life. I didn't know too much growing up. I think I knew the things that most people know, won the Heisman Trophy, gave a great speech. And then maybe there's a few auxiliary facts that some know, but but that that's kind of what you know about Nile growing up, at least in the 80s and 90s. And then, when they rededicated the stadium in 2006 and put the bronze statue up, uh, it I think that that put Nile once again, into the forefront of Iowan's consciousness. And heck, even the, the Big Ten Conference, who has his image on the coin that starts every Big Ten game. Uh, and so then there's a little bit more that people started to look into and know. But for the most part, I still think Heisman Trophy, great speech. Wow, he's a really good football player. Uh, probably have heard about the Notre Dame touchdown. Uh, but for the most part, he's this kind of icon. And being an Iowan, I, I wanted to know more about Niall and what would happen if we actually got to know who he was instead of uh, just a few bullet points on a piece of paper. And so about 10 years ago, after Iowa Ice came out, I was thinking about ideas like, how do we follow up this amazing luck that we just had with the original Iowa Nice video and thought about a documentary on Niall, Kinnick, and Jack Trice. At the time, we just weren't ready as a film troupe to, to make a feature length film. So that idea morphed into what would become uh, Hawkeye Nice and Cyclone Nice. And those videos got picked up by ESPN and they eventually asked us to do original college football comedy content for them for two years, which we, we did. Um, and so it was really about six years ago that we started actually filming this documentary, which originally was called Halls of Heroes and had Jack in it as well. But we found out fairly quickly on, we have too much material to fit all of their stories into one uh, film. And so we ended up splitting them up, deciding to go with the Kinnock first. And so the long-winded answer is: I, I want to do this because I honestly, as you get to know now, it's, it's kind of impossible to me that nobody's done a documentary like this on him. And so it almost seems uh, nonsensical not to go after it. However, if I did know how difficult it was to make a historical <laughs> documentary, I probably never would have started on this road, Uh, but luckily sometimes naivete is the the greatest gift we can ever have.
0: How hard was it to be able to piece things together to tell his story in a really conclusive manner when he's not been alive for a long time? World War II was, if I'm doing my math right, like 80-ish years ago. And most of the people who knew him Probably aren't alive. We it, it it certainly is difficult.
1: But we got lucky because we discovered a gentleman who's never been interviewed before, a gentleman by the name of Don Bice, who's now in his mid-90s. He is Nile's first cousin, only remaining, I guess, close family member, you would say. And he grew up with Niall in Adel. He is uh was Niall's youngest brother, George, they were roughly the same age. There's about an eight and a half year difference between Niall and Don. And so Don was able to give us insights that we couldn't get by reading letters or other people's work. We do have two great experts in this film, uh, Tom Lid and Mike Chapman, that give us so much information, facts, uh, you know, scores, stats, those types of things. We're so thankful for that. Don was able to fill in kind of that emotional stuff and put flesh and blood onto the skeleton. And it was, we're just so lucky that he gave us that perspective because he practiced with Niall. he would catch balls from He, again, I'll repeat, he caught footballs from Niall Kittick. That's incredible. And so Don's, I think he kind of steals the film. Uh, he's so likable. And you're not going to believe when you see him on screen, like that guy's in his 90s. So (laughs) also a good lesson, take care of yourself. But uh, that process, you know, we were able to interview those three gentlemen that I listed out. And then there's a couple books that have come out that have been really helpful. Let me see. I probably have them back here. Like uh, this one, uh, A Hero Perished, which I really recommend to people. Uh, This breaks down a lot of the letters that he wrote into text form, a lot of his journal entries and also a really nice preface. Uh, And then also we relied on a book by a gentleman called DW Stump, which is really, really good. And, And DW is still around and we were able to talk to him on the phone. But we wanted to take this further. We wanted to make the definitive documentary. So we took everything that we could get in that initial round of investigation. And then we made a list of questions. What's still unanswered? And then we wanted to answer those things. And so because people have come and done so much work beforehand, we are able to move the ball down the field even further and answer some questions that have never been answered before. And that's, I'm really happy with that aspect of the
0: documentary. As you were talking about earlier, a lot of people know the kind of iconic parts of Niall Kinnick with the, okay, he won the Heisman trophy. He had the speech, that kind of thing. But what was he like, really, as a player? Well, as a player, he was
1: outstanding. Uh, even So back then, uh, freshmen weren't allowed to play. So his freshman year, you know, he just watched from the sidelines. But even in freshman practice, the coaches knew they had something special. Uh, he, he was just so toolsy, I guess, to borrow a modern phrase. He could do everything. Um, so his sophomore year, when he actually got to be out there, he made third team All-American, All-American his sophomore year, which is extraordinary because the team only won one game that year. He led the nation in punting that year. Uh, he ended up injuring himself his junior year. And so it wasn't a great, stellar season. But by the time his senior year had rolled around, I mean, he was in his prime. And he proved himself to be the best player in the entire country that year, which is saying something. Uh, when you have teams like Notre Dame, Michigan, uh, you know, all these teams in the, just the Midwest that were powers. The University of Minnesota was the power at the time. They had won something like three out of five national championships going up into the into the late 30s. And Nile was able to rise above them all so much so that the. Associated press named Niall Kinnick, the male athlete of the year in 1939, that's all male athletes including Joe DiMaggio who hit 381 that season, including Joe Lewis who knocked out four people defending his heavyweight championship. Okay. Like we, I think we have forgotten just how big of a deal Niall Kinnick was in 1939. He was legitimately one of the most famous people in the country and his, his stock were, was rising. And, it, you know, he was competing with people like Shirley Temple as, uh, as as one person at the time, one commentary her said at the time, like as as like America's favorite personality, and that's incredible. It's it's an incredible story what Nile was able to do, and then to turn away professional football, uh, and, and return to law, just being like you know I've I've achieved what I wanted to on the, the the gridiron. Now it's time for me to move on. But also just as a just a what type of athlete was he? Well, he when he went to Iowa, he he started off playing baseball and basketball, <laughs> along with football. Just, he he dropped those uh, sequentially through through his years, just to focus on studies and football. But that's how good of an athlete he was, all around and on the football player field. He was great at passing the ball, great at running the ball, great at punting the ball, great at drop kicking the ball. Oh, also, he still holds Iowa's uh, season interception record that Desmond King just tied a couple years ago. So, yeah, now Kinnick could do it all.
0: Wow. You know, that's a one-man wrecking crew there. You can see how he could take that team from the lowest of the lows with one win and then finish with the Heisman Trophy.
1: Yeah. You know, there's always luck and things that go into these sorts of of things. I mean, that game against Notre Dame was a tight game. They won that one by one point. You know, that changed. He had a last-minute pass uh, against Indiana. Uh, to win 32 29. Like, again, if, if that doesn't, you know, we're having a different conversation. If any one of those things goes a different way, but for the most part, luck is always there, but Niall was a grinder and he worked hard all the time. Uh, And we also have to give credit to, to the coach, Dr. Eddie Anderson, who came in that 1939 season and really changed the to borrow again a new phrase that we have Mm -hmm. in modern society for locker rooms he changed the culture of the Iowa program it was awful it was awful they won I think one game his sophomore year two games his junior year maybe two games his freshman year and then they became then they were one of the best teams and almost uh, won the Big Ten championship that season so it's extraordinary what they pulled off
0: And then going back to his recruitment, how big of a deal was it for him to pick Iowa over Minnesota, considering it Minnesota had a little higher of a profile back then than they do now.
1: This, this part of the story is a little cloudy. We have, we don't have any letters really about his decision. Um, And the way that sort of happened was uh, once Nile passed, his family didn't give over all of his records and letters and things the scrapbooks and stuff to the university. They, they give the first time that they gave over a chunk of stuff to the archives at the university, I was 1959. And they certainly had gone through and cold through a bunch of stuff. And so much so that um, Francis, his mother admitted that she had just dis- once he passed, shortly after he had died, uh, Francis destroyed pretty much all correspondence between him and his mother. Um, or between Francis and Nile, that Francis mother. So we don't have a complete story of everything. And that's one of the holes we don't, we don't have letters back and forth to the family. We, we can pretty easily extrapolate that. He would have been an in going to the, going to Iowa state because his dad had gone there and it was the quarterback there. Uh, his mom went to Drake university and to Northwestern university, but he wanted to go, I mean, every kid pretty much wanted to go to Minnesota uh, in this area because they were the power at the time. And our, our, our researchers who came before us that are in the film, they talked. Bernie Bierman was the coach at Minnesota. And he just didn't think Niall was big enough uh, to play for Minnesota. So it made it all the sweeter in 1939 when Niall Kinnick was able to lead the Ironman Hawkeyes uh, to a victory against the Minnesota Gophers.
0: And then when he gave the Heisman speech and had the line about rather warring on the gridiron than warring in Europe for World War II, how important was that in society? That that's really
1: his his moment where he crossed over into kind of a a much bigger uh, pop culture. Uh, It was it was such a big moment, and one of the things I'm most proud about this documentary as we don't just cover Nile, we, we give context for what was happening in geopolitics and national politics, because how Nile rose out of that situation, that, that zeitgeist was, it, it just, all of that stuff matters to his story. And so we take time in the documentary to explain uh, what's going on in World War II, how it compares to World War I, who he was talking to when he gave that speech? Because he really was just supposed to get up at the Heisman speech and thank his fan or thank his uh, teammates, his coaches, uh, you know, the committee who voted for him, and then like you know, just okay, that was enough. But he didn't. He made essentially a political statement, and so now it was really one of those people who, if he was around today in an athlete, would not be sticking to sports. And I think that's an important lesson to take away. And one of the reasons why he rose to such fame in that moment in 1939, just after that speech, it was, he was, I mean, he was talking about World War II, but to World War I veterans in that room that day who were going to decide if Niall's generation was going to go and fight in the Second World War. I mean, it it just took some stones to do that. (laughs) to be honest.
0: (laughs) And then I'm sure you have enough information now in your head about Niall that you'll be able to remember that you'll have that information stuck there. I'm sure for quite a while, any particularly funny stories about Niall?
1: Yeah. Niall had a sense of humor and (laughs) I know we don't think of him that way. He also was a young, handsome king of the campus man and he <laughs> he enjoyed the company of women not nah was a relatively shy person he wasn't um, extremely extroverted uh, but he did enjoy uh, pursuing women and he wanted he was definitely on the lookout for a wife who he could have a family with uh, And so for we bring, a popular yeah. athlete <laughs> you yeah, know he there there were a lot of uh, we put two, there are three women uh, that we, that he dated that we could verify he dated in the documentary. There's a long list of rumors about other women, um, some uh, more famous for their time, but, you know, a lot of this stuff we're going to verify, so we weren't going to throw that in, but if anybody wants to, I mean, you can, you can dig deep a little bit and, and find out some more of those stories. Um, so he had, you know, that, it's just so charming. One time he was, uh, coming back to the base after a date in Kansas city outside of Fairfax air base. And he was running late. So he, he was speeding and got pulled over, you know, like he, <laughs> he was lingering a little too long with the lady, you know? And I think that's just so charming because that's what so many of us do. Um, and then also his sense of humor comes through in some of his letters and his observations about uh, one of one of them we put in the, the film is his description of what it was like to have to be in the latrine, sitting without dividers up on like cold stools, just like, it's just filled. He he, he calls his cohorts that are in the, the bath this massive bathroom uh, with him, just the lugubrious cohorts. And, and he talks about how difficult it is to have a comfortable bowel movement. And he does it in such like a, a funny way. He was good with turning phrases and using the English language. And that's stuff that you lose when you just hear that very very statesmanlike speech that he gave at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And so I, I'm really excited for people to get to see that side of Niall uh, when they watch the documentary.
0: Anytime there's an icon like Niall Kinnick, sometimes there are stories that are passed down from people that sometimes might be a little more accurate than others. Any kind of common misconceptions about Niall Kinnick that you've discovered? Yeah,
1: a good example is the the myth is that Niall, upon hearing about the attack at Pearl Harbor, ran down to the enlistment office and enlisted that day. When that's not at all what happened. He made a very long and deliberate process in deciding what to do, whether wait to be drafted or to enlist. And... This plays out in his letters and no one's ever laid this out before. You know, we were, this is one of the questions that we wanted to answer. And um, I'm really proud of that section of the film. We break down that decision uh, in, in in pretty good detail, laying out why he chose to do what he did, how he tried to recruit his, his friends and, and one uh, Ironman teammate to enlist with him at the same time. So they could pick branch of service and be in the same area, the Navy, Air Corps at that time so that they could be, uh, you know, they could pile around together and go through the process themselves. So not really, they didn't do anything irrationally or on a whim. He was just, he was uh, such an intelligent person and, and he utilized that intelligence to make deliberate decisions. And that decision to enlist in the Navy Air Corps uh, was, was a good example of that. And we're able to lay all that out in the film.
0: Anything that really surprised you about him?
1: surprise i mean maybe the most surprising thing that that i had from that i learned about him we weren't able to fit into the film the film uh the story we tried to like flip-flop things and like tell it out of order and like in a pulp fiction sort of way but (laughs) it just it kept coming back to us the story told us the way it needed to be told which was chronological and there was there's a quote he talks about after he had come back from a date And he was afraid he wasn't going to be able to get through the door because his horns were so big, which is that old timey expression for being horny. And, you know, I, you know, that was just, it was just so charming to see him write that down and to be so self-aware. And of course that came out of order. Like the section where we talk about the dating happens pretty much once he enlists, um, and so and that that letter came before that so it would have felt very forced. People would have seen the gratuitous way we were trying to fit this uh, <laughs> this letter in. But it that I really that surprised me. Like I didn't expect him to be so forward with that sort of observation. Uh, that was that was certainly one of those surprising moments.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that somebody who you know. Has heard the speech immediately jumps to the horns are too big. That's yeah, two different again, sides of them.
1: Yeah, and but to me, like that's so important. It's like he's a regular guy. And I think too often when we put people on pedestals, that we we start to make them unreachable or untouchable by washing away all of this wonderful nuance and subtlety, eccentricity. And and when we do that, I think what they stand for it makes it like less inspirational because you're like, well, they were just perfect. Like I can't ever do that. But the fact is Niall was far from perfect. He was a flawed human being. And yet outside of the talents he had on the gridiron, like the things he stood for, we can all achieve. We can all stand for that stuff too. With good morals, good ethics, a strong, curious mind. Like we can all do that stuff. And so I, I really hope people take that away. Uh, that Niall becomes more inspirational than he is now because we are reminding everyone of just, he was kind of a regular dude who was blessed with wonderful athletic talent and a great house to be raised in. But like we, he's not, he's not unapproachable. He's not, he, he he's not a perfect person. So we, I think, Imperfect people are more inspiring.
0: And then um, one thing, too, that I thought was really interesting watching the trailer was the person who said that he could maybe have even been president of the United States had he not died in World War II. What do you think post-World War II life would have looked like for Niall Kinnick?
1: Well, and that, that quote from the trailer, is, which opens our film, is actually a Ronald Reagan quote that Ronald Reagan told to Mike Chapman, one of our experts. And if Niall were able to survive the war, which even though he died in a training accident, of course his odds, it it was very risky for him to be a pilot in the Pacific theater. Both of his wingmen ultimately didn't didn't survive the war. So, but let's say he he did. I, I think this is the sad part, the real sad part of the story to me. Because losing Niall Kinnock was a real loss, certainly to his family. And Don speaks to that very eloquently, his first cousin. But also, and I don't want to overstate it because you just never know. But when you read Niall's journals, his war journals, and he's talking, he is talking about what he's going wants to do in the future and what's going to happen in the future. I mean, he writes about essentially predicting the Cold War uh, while the like at that time the Soviets are one of our major allies in World War II, but he's already seeing into the future and, and seeing a conflict between the allies outside of the Soviets against the Soviets, really America versus the Soviets. He's able to, he's seeing this, he's, he's wondering about it. He writes about uh, the problem he sees with race relations coming up after the war. And he writes about how he is interested in getting into politics. Maybe he, he's definitely gonna become a lawyer He was third in his class uh, his first year in law school before he went to the service. So he would have, he would have become a lawyer. And his grandfather was governor of Iowa for two terms. So politics was in his blood. And I, I think if I'm, if I'm making an educated guess, I think the floor for Niall Kinnick's career is the Senate and, and the, the ceiling is certainly the presidency. And why it's so sad to me is because, Niall would have made a great public servant and he was a Republican. And there is a world where in 1960, it is John F. Kennedy against Niall Kinnock instead of John F. Kennedy against Richard Nixon. And if there's a way, and you can see a path, I mean, I don't think it's too far-fetched. Again, we don't know. I want to be clear about that. I'm not trying to say, oh yes, this for sure would happen. But there is a path that you can see where Niall Kinnock becomes the darling of the Republican Party and not Richard Nixon. And how different is our world, not just the country, but the world. If Niall Kinnock is in the Oval Office making decisions on Vietnam, on other you know, big topics of that day. And also, I can guarantee that a scandal like Watergate is not going to happen under Niall Kinnock. I don't you, you never know. Would he have been a great president? I don't know because the world would have been in a different place if he would have been in it. But I can assure you, he had better integrity than Richard Nixon.
0: It's fascinating. You think of what the world could have been.
1: Yeah, it really is, and I, I, it's just it's a really sad thing that we lost him. And um, I just I wish there was a way we wanted to have. Because I really do think you would have certainly made our state better. You would have made the country better, and and you can extrapolate that the world would have been better uh, if Niall Kinnock would have survived the war.
0: Now I'm assuming you have a chunk of information now for your Jack Trice documentary as well.
1: Yes, we do. We we have a lot of that done. I'd say it's about half done. Uh, You know, we will have to go through once I get past um, this high intensity time of promoting the Kinnick documentary, uh, we'll, we'll move to uh, fundraise to get the Trice film finished. Um, and so if you are, if you've listened to this whole thing and you're a Cyclone fan, uh, you know, please support the Kinnick project. <laughs> it's, the more successful Kinnick is, honestly, the more likely it is that not only Trice gets completed, but many other uh, great stories that we have to tell will get completed. And and, and, and what we've discovered on Jack. Ooh, I, I mean, we have, we have been really able to go. We spent a lot of time in Hiram, Ohio. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in Ohio in general. That story has taken us all over the country. Um, and really the reconstruction we're going to be able to do of Ames in the teens to, to have everybody understand what Jack was living, the, the atmosphere he was living in. And then, That story is also really told through the the struggle to get the stadium named Jack Trice Stadium. And we have done a lot of research on that as well and had some exclusive interviews. So I'm really looking forward to having that story told. We also have a whole section that we filmed that we ended up cutting out of the Kinnick film about the stadium renaming. Uh, It just turned out that after Niall, Uh, passes in the documentary having another 25 minutes of the film it just it kind of flopped even though the section itself is really interesting it was pretty clear upon getting feedback that that section is its own film and i really hope to be able to make that its own film and utilize what we have there as a catalyst to do a duke slater documentary Um, that is a little bit farther down the road we do need to get trice film but as you can tell like there's just so many great (laughs) ideas and I want to do them all. And how successful Kinnick is, will, will determine the probability that all these other projects get completed.
0: So then somebody who's listening to this and is getting excited about all of these ideas, obviously watching the documentary and Vimeo, I'm sure is one key part of it, but how can they support this and be able to keep you able to do these things?
1: Yeah. If- First, yeah, if you want to get it on Vimeo, I know it's not the easiest thing in the world, but I think most of us now know how to get something streamed. (laughs) And luckily, Vimeo is built into a lot of smart TVs already. You can use Chromecast or Roku. I'm I'm sure I I know that people will be able to, to, to utilize the platform, and it's a beautiful platform, especially for independent filmmakers. So if you can not only support us, but support Vimeo, it helps... Filmmakers, independent filmmakers uh, uh, across the country. Uh, but it also will be playing in the Palms Theater here in Milwaukee uh, for a week starting on Thursday. So if you are in the Des Moines area and you want to go see it in the theater, it looks great, sounds great, uh, check it out. Uh, you get that, those tickets are available now. And then uh, by the time this comes out, possibly we'll have made an announcement on an Iowa City run. Um, so if you're in that area of the state, uh page, just follow me on uh, social media and you'll you'll get that information as soon as the, I have it available if it becomes available so really watching the film and then just telling everybody tell people over over beers tell people over coffee talk to people at the water cooler at social media posts um, while you're tailgating talk about it uh, if you haven't if you've seen it and your friends haven't ridicule them, <laughs> do whatever you need to do just because I, I honestly think, and I'm biased. I'll recognize that. <laughs> I think people will enjoy the film when they watch it. And so it's worth 90 minutes of your time. And I know what big ask it is because the most valuable thing all of us have is our time. And so to, for me to ask you for 90 minutes of your time, I don't do that lightly. I think this 90 minutes is something that will bring you joy and give you a new perspective on somebody that is one of the most famous Iowans of all time. And one of the most important college football athletes that there's ever been.
0: Well, thank you for the time.
1: I I appreciate you having me on and John, after you see the film, if you want to have me back on and we can do a deep dive and I can answer any questions that you have, there's, there's some things, there's some mysteries in there uh, that we could probably talk about an hour uh, on and any other questions that you might have. Uh, Just let me know, but uh, I appreciate you having me on so much. Thank you.
0: And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode. I'll be back with another episode next week, already getting into game week next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast.